Welcome to the Percussion Studio Podcast. We will be visiting with various percussion performers, educators, manufacturers, and publishers. Stay tuned to Kay Wiley Publications for future podcast interviews and more information. Now, welcome our host, Kenan Wiley, and this edition of the Percussion Studio Podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name is Kenan Wiley, and welcome to episode number five of the Percussion Studio Podcast. We're glad you're here listening to us wherever you are. And uh, if you're looking for more information, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Be sure to look us up, follow us. If you have any questions, you can send us some, some messages. If you want to let us know how it's going, what you want to hear more of, what you liked, what you didn't like, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So please uh, stay in touch with us if you can. Today's um, artist with us, our guest, is going to be another than... Um, a great musician, educator, and uh, composer. He is currently the assistant professor of percussion and jazz studies and coordinator of the percussion program at the University of Nebraska, as well as uh, he is probably one of, one of our more active and prolific percussion composers in our world. And so I wanted to bring him in so we could talk to him and see what he's doing. And so, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Mr. Dave Hall, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. It's great to be here. <laughs> How you doing, sir? Doing well. How are you? I am great. How's your summer going? You keeping busy? Uh, I'm busy-ish. You know, I've um, I've, this is actually um, just finished my sixth year teaching in Nebraska, and so each year I've um, I've gotten a little bit a bit better at managing the summer. You know, some, sometimes I'm just kind of going the entire summer, and uh, lately I've been um, scaling back and just making sure I'm doing the exact things I want to do. So. Uh, we're getting ready for a PASIC showcase concert um, here in Nebraska, our second. So I've um, been working on planning that and um, doing some practicing for some upcoming recording sessions and also working with the uh, Blue Coats as a music ensemble coordinator uh, for just a couple weeks. And that's kind of my first foray back into DCI after, um, well, really in like 14 years. So oh, um, wow. that's, that's been really cool. That's very interesting. Yeah, we're going to talk. I want to get into your background in just a few minutes, but you know, uh, you're, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening that have played some of your pieces. You know, we have we have students that listen to this. I'm sure we have educators, we have performers, and and of, of all ages. And uh, if you are a performer in percussion, you have probably played one of Dave's pieces. This is a really popular uh, ensembles as well as solos and duets and a lot of different things. And I wanted to ask you what, um, how do you, I mean. How do you feel when you hear so many of your or so many of your pieces being played so often around the country and abroad? I mean, is that such a cool feeling as a composer? Yeah, I, it's it's really it's really cool. It's it's surreal. It's not something um, that I sort of planned on growing up. It's not something that I expected would happen. It it it, it all makes sense in reverse when I look back at at my um, at my life and how I got into it, and you know, kind of realizing that I'm a creative person and I like to make things, but um, yeah, the exposure that the music has gotten um, and the frequency with which it gets played is pretty remarkable. It's And, and I don't even, the, I think the crazy thing is I don't even know most of the time when somebody's playing one of my pieces and then I might hear about it later or I'll run into a, uh, a student, a prospective student or a, a colleague and they'll be like, oh yeah, I played this piece or oh yeah, oh, it, it's, different people know different pieces. So 
um, yeah, but it's really surreal to travel around the country and different parts of the world and um, to, to work with pieces live and also when people send me recordings. Um, yeah, it's just kind of more than I ever expected would happen with, with something that I made. When did, when did, when did you feel like that was a part of, of what you were going to kind of step into? I mean, this is something you kind of dabbled in on the side when you were in high school or college or late college. When did you, when did you kind of find out that's what you kind of had an interest in? Yeah, I, I'm, I was definitely a dabbler and uh, I still am, but I, it, I, I really didn't, I didn't approach it from the perspective of let's make this, part of my professional career. Um, I definitely per- approached percussion that way where I was practicing percussion and trying to be a professional performer and working on teaching, but um, composing wasn't something I planned to do professionally. But, you know, I, when I was a kid and I was taking piano lessons, I would write um, little piano pieces that were really bad. Uh, when I was in high school, like a lot of percussionists, probably I, I, I wrote, you know, cadences, street beats, drumline exercises, um, I remember making an arrangement of a Dave Matthews band tune for like front ensemble and battery percussion. And then in, uh, in college, I was really fortunate to get to arrange for our, uh, our marching band a little bit and um, cut my teeth there a little bit more there. I arranged some string quartets for marimba and um, yeah, did some more in my master's degree, did some more, you know, front ensemble, full percussion arranging, and um, the first piece that I wrote that I would really call a, a composition um, that, that was intended to be a standalone composition was Escape Velocity, um, which is one of my more played pieces and it's also my first piece that I really composed. And um, I wrote that for a master's recital at TCU when I felt like I needed a piece that was of a certain length um, that was about four minutes, five minutes long, and that had a lot of energy. And um, I was playing a lot of marimba in this recital, so I wanted to play uh, uh, I wanted to have a piece that was, you know, had some percussion in- instruments in it and wasn't just keyboards. And so I just kind of wrote a piece that filled the gap in the recital. And then um, it, the Brian West ended up really liking it and, um, you know, put it on one of their CDs and played the, they played it at PASIC after I graduated. And then that's kind of when I started to get some more commissions. And, um, and so then, yeah, then it made sense that I, I would be a composer. I mean, I really, really like making things and, um, you know, my favorite part about it is the more I compose, the more I hear other people's music better. Because I think when you're making something, you're just more in tune with what other people are making. So it really helps my ears um, as a musician more than anything else, which is probably the most, um, my, my favorite thing about it is just the, the awareness that increases by, by making my own stuff. How many, um, how, many commission, how many commissions do you usually, are you usually running per year? I mean, do you usually, does it take like can you do one a year or two a year? <laughs> like how, how, well, how do you crank them out that fast? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered to hear you say you think I'm fast because I, I really <laughs> do feel like I'm a, I'm a very slow composer. I think it's one of those things that if, if, you know, if you look at my outfit put and maybe if you haven't looked for a couple of years, you might see three or four pieces, but you know, really I'm, I'm only writing like one or two things a year mm-hmm. and that's usually happening during the summer. Um, so it's, I, during the year, I'm, you know, I'm definitely, I'm a percussion professor. That's my, my main thing. And so I'm teaching and I'm performing and practicing. And it really takes a, a little bit of steady attention for me to write something. And um, so, yeah, it's, I, I'm usually doing them over the summer, um, taking fewer commissions than I used to. And, uh, you know, t- just trying to make sure that I can actually complete things. I, I still owe 
Um, Aaron Ragsdale, I'm about to finish a duet for him. Uh, he's a professor at South Dakota State. I owe him a duet. And I might write something for our PASIC show. Um, yeah, I was kind of thinking you probably would. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it'd be, that's a great opportunity. to. Re- it's kind of the same thing as I was mentioning about uh, Escape Velocity, where I can write a piece that fits our program and fills whatever whatever I feel like is a perceived gap in our program, I can fill that, and I can also write it for the specific players. Um, so that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd like to do that. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really... I don't feel like I, I write a lot of music. I'd love to write more, but I think it would have to be, it, you know, I'd have to, you know, I have a family and a job and it's, 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 it's hard to get to it as much as I'd like to. Yes. I totally understand what you're saying. It is when yep. you're, when you're a, a teacher and you're teaching full time, I mean, it's really hard to get to the writing part of what you would like to do. And only when you have a break or a moment or a couple of weeks here and there, it's, it's kind of hard. So, um, but I am a huge fan, as sure as a lot of our listeners are. Um, matter of fact, <laughs> I was so much of a fan that I think one one year, I don't, I think it was maybe two years ago, we actually did a whole a whole drumline show of Dave Hall music. I mean, it was amazing. I got to send it to you. It is so cool. It's all of your, some of your pieces arranged, and it's just really, really, really cool. It was so easy to to um, you know. To, to sell the students they just they really 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 liked it so um, well you know I, I think I actually know about this because <laughs> I had a um, I had a couple people in VFW who saw your you know your your drumline shows are iconic and they're always so great and uh, and one of my a couple friends uh, or former students sent me just little clips of this I think you guys did slide and, and doors is that right uh, or slide yeah. and yeah, we did a we did a, um, a little bit of slide and then a little bit of doors and then a little bit of um, uh, de architecture. <laughs> oh, a cool! That nice. one too. Yeah, so we kind of had a little bit of everything in there, so it was really really. Well, cool. yeah, I would love to see the full thing, and that's kind of what I was talking about, uh, alluding to earlier, is that you know you, you were doing that, and I'm sure it was super high quality, but yeah, you're gonna have to send that to me because I've never even seen it. You know? <laughs> um, but no, I still one of my one of my. Uh, there's a lot of special memories of sort of experiencing my music, but I, I wrote doors for my wife's uh, father who passed away. Um, and you guys, I think you and Paul Rennick, if I remember right, arranged that for a drumline show that would have been, geez, what was that? 2011 or 12 yeah, or something. Yeah. I think it was for PASIC in 2011. Yeah. But um, I brought my wife to that because at the time we were living, you know, just down the street from Marcus high school while I was going to North Texas. And, um, so it was easy enough for us to come over and see a, I think it was a parent show. And um, we were both in tears. I mean, it was just remarkable <laughs> to see that the piece that had just kind of taken on a completely different life um, with and, and, and with these students who were really selling it. And to hear people arrange my music and kind of bring it, bring a different perspective to it, I think is, is really, really special. Um, so that was cool. And Paul's a former teacher and a, and a colleague and friend. So, so just that was just a really special um, experience for both of us to see that your, your group. Oh well, thank you. That's, that show. It's very flattering. Hey, um, you just mentioned some your teacher. Uh, you had studied with Paul. Where are some of your teacher? Where did you grow up? And and then how did you you know how did you choose the schools you went to? Or just a little bit of background about who who the man behind Dave Hall. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I grew up in South Dakota, uh, believe it or not, and um, Aberdeen, South Dakota, it's a pretty small town, but it's a really great place to grow up, and I had really wonderful musical parents. Uh, my mom was a piano major, and my dad is, is a lawyer, but he was a he is a, a really excellent cellist. 
as well. So I grew up around, around a lot of classical music, got into a lot of jazz in high school and played a lot of drum set. Um, I ended up, I'm actually did my undergrad where I teach now here in Lincoln, Nebraska at university of Nebraska. Um, it was sort of, it was about six hours away from where I grew up and it was sort of the biggest, um, just the biggest university that was close ish, you know, but not too close to where I grew up. So it was just, you know, I wanted to go out of state, but it was, wasn't too far away. It was still within driving distance. So did my undergrad there, um, and never expected to be back, but here I am. And, uh, Really, I, I would say that the thing that propelled my music career more than anything else was uh, marching my age out season at Phantom Regiment and getting to work with Paul Rennick, who was a really influential teacher in terms of just, you know, when I was when I was coming up through my undergrad and, and high school, I was I was really into classical music and I could play piano and I played a lot of drum set, and then I started getting into marching percussion and I was I, I encountered a couple different pedagogical approaches that just seemed very different from the way that I approached playing marimba and playing classical instruments. And then when I ran into Paul, who, I, I, you know, I'm sure everybody knows Paul Rennick's teaching and his style, especially in Texas. Um, but, you know, he's just such a incredible musician and a college professor. So his, his approach to teaching marching percussion resonated with me in a way that I felt like I could incorporate that into my, in, I didn't have to just write it off, which I was about ready to after marching one summer of drum corps. But when I marched with him, he taught in a way that, you know, it could be drum set or it could be marimba, or it could be marching snare drum, but it was in a way that was applicable to indoor instruments. So I just got, his teaching really resonated with me. Um, he's really intelligent the way he approaches pedagogy and, um, you know, gives the players information and uh, makes the players smarter and then they play better. So I, I just, that made a lot of sense to me. And so I, I kind of followed him down what he was teaching at TCU to do my master's there. And, um, then encountered all the other great teachers there, Brian West, of course, and uh, Joey Carter, Richard Gibson, and um, and then ended up at North Texas for my doctorate. So, uh, and then at, at North Texas, Christopher Dean was my major professor, and I had an incredible experience with him. Another teacher who's just kind of one of the all-time great teachers of percussion, and um, his teaching style really, really resonated with me, and um, learned a ton from all the professors there. So your your goal was to become a professor of percussion. Is that what you wanted to do to be to teach at a college? Was it kind of your goal? Yeah, I think, and I, I it, it crystallized really slowly. Like I didn't have a super clear idea when I was in high school or undergrad even, but I I was I sort of did it by elimination. I knew I wanted to. I, I discovered that I liked teaching. Um, that's not something I expected, but it's something that I I, I learned that I was. Uh, good at and that's something that I really enjoyed but I knew that I didn't want to uh, only teach full-time I also knew that I didn't want to just have a performing career where I was maybe on tour or something um, there's something that something that I knew early on is that I play and teach but then I also wanted to have a normal life to some degree where I could have dinner with my family and have a family at all and um, so it's kind of just that that the, the combination of things I wanted to do, still being an artist uh, and being creative, but also helping other people and influencing other people um, and having somewhat of a, uh, you know, none of us have normal schedules, but ha I, I do have somewhat of a predictable schedule a lot of the time um, throughout the academic year and throughout the week where I, I, I'm not just going to, you know, not see my kids for a year or, or six months or something like that. So um, I think it, it just kind of narrowed down until I realized that's what I wanted to do. And, 
And that, that's why you get a doctorate, I suppose. I mean, that's why I went to UNT. I think by that time I knew that what I'm doing now is what I want to do. Yeah, that you're living the dream, bud. That sounds awesome. Um, not a lot of people can say they can do that. So Yeah, I feel very fortunate. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um so you know, since you're teaching at the college level, I'm sure you 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 um are witnessing kids coming in and wanting to do percussion, kind of do what you did and and kind of follow the same path if if not, you know, in one way or another. And and so when they come in, are you surprised at at the level of that some of these kids are coming in because when I came in as a freshman, I mean, I I don't remember being half as down the road as some of these other kids as far as their abilities. Um, it seems like everything is getting so accelerated, even when they're younger. But can you can you maybe talk about what you see some of the younger? I mean, just how well some of these kids that are even like in high school, middle school, just the level that they're playing so that when they do come to a college, it's not like they're starting from, I mean, there's a lot of times you're not starting from square one with somebody. You're like taking what they already know and kind of having to add a lot more to what they can do, but they're not coming in. There may be some kids that come in that are, you know, bare minimum, but I think there's a lot more kids that are coming in that really know what they're doing before they even enter the door. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's completely bonkers, first of all, and it's also really exciting. I mean, I'll use one of your students, for example. Uh, Paige Dedecker was a student who just graduated from Nebraska a couple years ago. Um, she was in my first recruiting class here, um, and, you know, she's an extraordinary person, but just, just her audition alone coming in and playing, I think, Delacluse and playing Rhythmic Caprice and um, just playing at an incredibly mature level. And, then you know, she was section leader of Santa Clara Vanguard, and so she was already in that group when she was auditioning. And uh, we have, I think, more students from Texas than any other state in our studio right now. So especially students in Texas um, coming from the DFW area are often um, coming, you know, from these incredible programs like yours where they have really amazing private lesson teachers and really clear and smart pedagogy from middle school on. Uh, they're just going to be at an advantage so that's, that's crazy. Um, we also have students, we, I mean, we have students coming from all over the country and sometimes they'll come in and they'll be really, really precocious on one or two areas and they'll be super intelligent and um, maybe didn't have the same training that a student in Texas would, but really quickly will catch up. And that's kind of what I like about our program is it's not, it's not everybody comes with the same skill sets, but you know, there's, there has to be a certain amount of intelligence and kind of work ethic and, um, intrinsic motivation there. And then sometimes students have also played like 50 marimba solos by the time they audition for us. Yeah. Um, but all those students mix together and they have different ideas and they, you know, and I, and I you know, being someone who, who didn't grow up in Texas and came from South Dakota, I had to teach myself a lot of stuff in high school. You know, I just went down into my basement and practiced drum set, you know, or took a marimba home and just tried to figure stuff out myself. So when I actually encountered clear pedagogy, I, made some adjustments and said, Oh, that makes more sense than what I did. But I, I had the benefit of making a lot of mistakes, um, on my own. So I, I do think that that, that experience that I had was valuable. And we have students who come in with the same, uh, kind of the same skill set as that, but they come from all over the place and they blend together and end up creating sort of a new thing here. Um, but yeah, I, I say all the time that like we had so many graduate. I think we had about 20 graduate students audition this year for one spot and a um, ton of uh, undergrad auditions that were really, really good and couldn't admit all the people who were admittable. So, I mean, I could not get into my own 
like as an undergrad, I would knock into my own program or, or a grad student. I think I just, I don't think I would have been able to cut it against these people. So, but to me, that's really ultimately exciting because that means that our art form and our pedagogy is moving forward. If I felt like I was of a bygone era where, where students were actually good and went for it and, and now students these days can't cut it. I mean, then I would feel like, you know, we were on a downward slope, but seeing the progression of the, the younger students and the, the students auditioning um, improving each year means that the art form and pedagogy is improving, which to me is exciting. Yeah, I, I totally agree that the art form is definitely accelerated. It's, it's, it's exponential than when I was in high school, that's for sure. Um, well, I've asked this question to a few other people that have been on the podcast because this is kind of a stu- a percussion studio podcast. And so, you know, if you if you thought you would give some advice to a student wanting to have a career in percussion, not really major in percussion at college, but to have a career in percussion, obviously when they come to you, they, they may be kind of like where you were. When you're like, oh, I'm not quite sure what do I want to do, but I want to mm-hmm. do something in percussion. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you tell some of these kids? They're like, you know, I, I don't know if I want to teach, but I, I'm not sure, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they may be like a, a you know, incoming freshman or their second or third year and they graduate and they're like, I, I don't know, Mr. Hall, I don't know really what I want to do, but I want to do something with percussion. What kind of advice would you give them? Well, um, you know, I, I, if, I, if a student is sure that they want to study, uh, I mean, I think it's, you don't even necessarily have to go into it as a career, but if you're sure that you want to study it and you're ready to work at it, I, I think that's great. I have talked some students out of doing it if they – if they feel like there's a lot of other things that they could do because there are, you know, it, it is a tough road. But if you're one of these people that just know that this is what, like, you know, I, I thought I was going to be a lawyer at some point um, when I was a freshman or sophomore, because that seemed like a more respectable uh, or at least a more a safe career path. And, um, and my dad was a lawyer. So I think it was just, it was one of those things where I, I thought that I should do that, but then I just could not stop thinking about drums and music and percussion. So it was just one of those things that I had to do. So when it's a student like that, that they know it, they need to be doing this and they love being here and they, they want to work on the things we're working on, that's great. Um, what I think is really important is to sort of like what I did where you kind of edit and you think like, I want to do this. I don't want, I know I don't want to do this or I'm not, I think I don't want to do this. But there are so many different ways to to piece a career together. Um, it, w- whether you want to be a just a performer, or you know you want to do some amount of teaching. Um, so what I really try to do here is bring in as many examples of professionals as possible. We bring in a lot of guest artists um, to Nebraska, and I think it's really important to to show students examples of what they could be, with the idea that a lot of students are going to combine that's going to sort of combine aspects of those, those different people in their head and come up with a potential career. So we're not just bringing in other college professors. We're bringing in people who are principals of major orchestras or don't teach at all, or just only teach or only drum set players or are mainly keyboard specialists or only, you know, specialized in hand percussion um, or only play steel drums. We've just had a lot of different guest artists in the last couple of years to put in front of the students. And then I, I see that different artists really resonate with certain students. Um, I'm going to give them a, a lot of stuff to work on and to give them the proficiency to when they get to a, a point 
that they want to pursue it, uh, the next step that they, they have the skills available to, to actually pursue that. Um, but then past that, I think it's a, it's a matter of exposure. So um, I feel a lot more confident in preparing a student for a career in music because I've seen, you know, so many people, all of our friends and colleagues be so successful in so many different ways. And there's not just one way to go about it. There's, there's many different career paths. Um, and uh, yeah, I've just seen so many be, people be successful in different ways that I, I feel like all I have to do is, is show the students to those people, you know, get them to go to PASIC and, um, and to go to some seminars over the summer or to do other summer activities that will help expose them to sort of the larger world. And then you kind of realize we're all connected and everybody, um, yeah, everybody's sort of going after it for the same reasons, I think. So anyway, I think just exposure for students is really important. Um, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I think you're right on. I, I it, it's, you're, you're going to kind of, if you want to do a career in percussion, I mean, you can obviously pick one thing and, and do that if you want to, but it's almost like a lot of people are kind of doing a hybrid of stuff, you know? And, and, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we had, we had, for example, we had Jim Riley on here on the podcast mm-hmm. a couple of, a couple of episodes ago. And, you know, he talked a lot about, I mean, obviously he talked a little bit about his, his touring job with Rascal Flats, but he does a lot of teaching on the side so he's still uh uh, you know very into teaching kids and that's part of what he does and so you know i don't think of jim just as a drummer on tour i think of him as a teacher and a drummer i mean he's actually doing Mm -hmm. a a lot of different things and um you i think you can create you can create your occupation almost with percussion you know if you're if you're um if you're if you're willing to be open minded and just kind of try some different things you can you can bring things together to kind of formulate a career whether it's just you know you could you could be actually a full time composer i guess if that's what you wanted mm-hmm. to do um you know there there are people that do that full time there's people that that play full time but then there's there's people that that kind of make their own occupation from doing a little bit of everything and kind of putting it together. So I, you Absolutely. know, for people listening out there, yeah, try to be as versatile as you can. And, and like you say, get exposed to as much as you can. And you, you're, you're going to, um, you're probably going to create something that maybe not even out there, you know, you're going to create your own, your own job, so, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, who knows what, this, who knows what the landscape will look 10 years from now. <laughs> Exactly. And this is something that I feel percussionists are especially primed for. Uh, I'm obviously biased. I love, I mean, I love percussionists, but you know, just, if you just want to be sort of the, uh, a well-rounded percussionist and you want to be able to play keyboards and play timpani and play drum set and play uh, concert snare drum or marching snare drum. If you want to be able to do even just what you kind of most students learn in, in major programs in Texas, um, you're already primed for this sort of versatile, um, chameleon-like career uh, where you're uh, having to adjust and create connections. And then that could expand to, um, you know, electronic instruments or, I mean, with percussion, we're always using found instruments and creating new instruments. Like you said, there might even be, who knows what the landscape is, there might be a brand new instrument that you could pioneer and you could bring all of your quote-unquote classical training to um, and you could be the innovator. I mean, steel drums aren't even that old and just think about how, how much that's taken off. Um, so I just think that percussionists are especially ready to be versatile in their careers because that's sort of our gig, you know, as musicians. Yeah. 
Hey, uh, on a different subject, I, I was going to ask you, I, I don't, I don't really, I haven't been following you as much as, you know, I'm not sure if you're on Facebook that much, but have you been traveling much and, and doing any clinics abroad or, I mean, have you just kind of been staying in the States? What have you been doing as far as that? Yeah, I, um, uh, you know, the past few years, I've been doing a lot of clinics, a lot of clinics at universities and high schools. Um, most recent one, I was out in LA with Brian Dinkle at the Southern California, uh, professional ensemble festival with Naoko Takata and, uh, was there uh, earlier on this, this summer. Um, she's, yeah, I would have to think back, but what was at university of Kansas recently, um, last year, Truman state and oh my God, there's a uh, university of Arkansas this year. Um, kind of just a lot of universities throughout the country um, doing some amount of, usually it's some amount of um, maybe playing recital, giving a clinic or a master class. Um, and lately I've been giving either a marimba master class or I, I recorded a XY by Michael Gordon. So I've been doing a polyrhythm clinic. And um, yeah, I do quite a bit of that. Um, I just got tenure this, this uh, past year, so now I'm Ooh. actually an so- associate professor, which is exciting. So yeah, for a while, I... <laughs> got the I crowd on that. that. <laughs> <laughs> They've been a little uh, dormant for most of this. So I hope I didn't put them to sleep. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I, you know, I, I did, a, I took, uh, especially at first, I really took on just as everything I could. I did tons of traveling and performing and um recording and as well as on the composition side. So, uh, and then this summer, yep, doing a little bit of just a teeny bit, two weeks of travel with the blue coats, um, which again, is kind of a new thing, but yeah, I, I do that a lot throughout the academic year. It's, it's really tough to balance with, um, with just, you know, missing a little bit of time here with my students and having to make that up and also, you know, leave my wife at home with the kids. So I, I try to, I try to plan that out. So there, there are things that I really want to do and, um, and that are good opportunities. Well, like I said, but I really love playing, so that's what I'm going to be doing anyway. Yeah, like I said, it sounds like you're you've got the dream job and you're living the dream, and and we're all really happy for you for that, bud. Um, and this is the time for our offbeat wacky question section. You're going to like this. I love it. Yeah, this is where you really get to bring it, Mr. Hall. Uh, number one, what's the name of the most recent movie you have watched? Uh, Us, Jordan Peele film. So awesome. Wow, very cool. You like it? Yes, it's it's scary. If I, and I'm not even really a scary movie person, but I love Get Out and um, yeah, Us is Us is awesome. Okay, get out of your box. I like that. All right, number two, what is the last concert you attended? Ah, uh, Jesus, this is a this is a I'm tough blanking. One. It's been a minute. Okay, the last the last big concert I attended was uh, in Chicago. I saw Bon Iver. Oh wow! And that that was great. Very cool. Number three, where is your favorite place to eat? Oh, my God. Uh, anyone who does know me pretty well knows that I'm a big food person. So this is this is kind of a long – I don't really have a great answer to this question. It's really complicated. I was just out in L.A. Uh, earlier this summer, and I probably ate at, like, six really amazing restaurants. Um, shoot. I don't know. Can you narrow it down, like, can you give me a city or something? Uh, how about in Nebraska or like where you're, where you teach? Like if you're going to go out to okay, eat, in, where are you going to go? In Nebraska, there's a lot of good restaurants in Lincoln. Lincoln's a really cool town, but probably my go-to and favorite place, there's a really legit ramen place, authentic Japanese ramen. 
and it's really, it's walking distance from my office, but it's just enough far away. And so me and my grad students end up there quite a bit. And I also end up there quite a bit by myself getting some, some tonkatsu ramen or shoyu ramen. Very nice. So we're doing this as a public service announcement. So when people are traveling in Lincoln, they'll know where to go eat. Um, oh, this place is called Amumanu. Sorry, I didn't. Okay, yeah, we gotta have the name. All right, number four. What's your favorite sports team? Uh, I'm not a sports team person as much as I love I love tennis. So okay. I really like watching tennis, and I love Federer and Nadal. They're playing tomorrow at Wimbledon. But probably my most recent favorite sports team is the U.S. women's national team. Oh, I right. was a really big fan and, and watched every single game of theirs this summer. That's awesome. That was very cool. Very cool. Well, you know what this means. This means we have concluded another episode of the Percussion Studio Podcast. I want to thank uh, our guest, Mr. Dave Hall, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Please remember to stay tuned for uh, future information. Uh, You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, stay safe and keep on drumming.